Hello and welcome to What's The Story. We're an inquisitive bunch of hosts from the What's The Story team on a mission to uncover stories about faith and courage from everyday people. And to help us do just that, we get the privilege to chat with amazing guests and delve into their faith journey, the hurdles they've overcome, and the life lessons they have learned along the way. Now, if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and sign up for our newsletter on our website, which is whatsthestorypodcast.com. It's your direct line to the latest episodes and detailed show notes, and they all get delivered straight to your inbox. And the best part, it's absolutely free. What's the Story is brought to you by Crowd Church. We understand that stepping into a traditional church might not be everybody's cup of tea. And that's where Crowd Church steps in, providing a digital sanctuary, a safe space to explore the Christian faith where you can engage in meaningful conversations rather than just simply spectating. So whether you are new to the Christian faith or are in search of a new church family, we invite you to visit us at www.crowd.church. And if you've got any questions, just drop us an email at hello at crowd.church. We're here to help and would genuinely love to connect with you. And now, without further ado, Let's meet your host and our very special guest for today. Hi there, I'm Anna Kettle and I'm part of the Crowd Church team and I'm one of the regular hosts here at What's the Story podcast. I am today joined by Laurie Ann Wood, who is an award-winning writer a heart failure survivor and our guest for today's show. Now, after discovering a serious heart condition almost too late, Lorianne um, now writes to encourage others to embrace deep faith questions and embrace the divine detours in their own lives. Lorianne's first book, Divine Detour, The Path You Never Choose, Can Lead to the Faith You've Always Wanted, was published earlier this year by Cross River Media and is available on Amazon to buy now. So, Laurie-Anne, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. Welcome. Thank you, Anna. It's great to be here. Oh, it's fabulous to have you. Um, first of all, can I just say before we go any further, that that is such an awesome title for a book. I really like it. It's just oh. so inspiring. Thank you. Well, I'm, I'm probably I'm, um, like... Probably like all books, I think we, we went through several iterations, but the, yeah, the, the subtitle changed a couple times. So I, I like it too, but it didn't start out to be that. So it's nice to land there. As a, as a fellow writer, I totally understand that. Um, but yeah, it's a powerful title and I, I can't wait to dive into that stuff more and hear more about, uh, that whole idea of divine detours and all of that in a minute in your story. But I guess we should start from the top and start at the beginning of your story because not all of our listeners today might be as familiar with it as we are. So can you start by telling us just a little bit about yourself, where you live, what you do, where your background is, and kind of also how you first started out in this journey of faith? Mm. So I am in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is really in just the middle of the United States. And I didn't grow up in Arkansas, but I grew up in the middle of the United States in on a wheat farm in Kansas. And I have really 
always known about God. I, when I think about my faith journey, it really began earlier than my earliest memory, probably. I don't remember a time when I didn't believe in God. I grew up in church. Um, I, you know, knew about God as soon as I knew about my family, really. And I raised my children in the church and we were active in the leadership at church and still are. And we taught uh, adult classes on mission trips for 10 summers. And there was just a lot of buy-in and a lot of commitment. And that was the basis for where I was. And then something happened um, right at the end of, coincidentally, those 10 summers on that mission trip. Mm -hmm that really rattled my faith and made me step back for a minute and do some questioning and some digging. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about uh, the challenges then. Tell us like, what was it that rattled your faith? What What's the challenge you've had to overcome? And kind of, yeah, tell us a bit more about that. What was the sort of next stage of your journey? Yes. Well, this was about, it's it's coming up on eight years ago. I had kids at home. I was a, my background is that I am a tax accountant. I taught mm-hmm. at the university level for many, many years. And I, we were getting ready for Thanksgiving here. And it's a week where my older kids that were in college would be coming home and I was doing everything I thought I should be doing to get ready for that. And I just, I wasn't feeling well. I just kind of felt sluggish and I felt fatigued, but I wasn't like completely, you know, laying flat out on the floor or anything like that. I just thought, you know, I'm not myself. And Mm. so I went to the convenient care, which is just a place you can go for quick uh, results or quick resolution to a common problem. I thought I had the flu or I thought maybe I had pneumonia Mm -hmm. if I was really in trouble. And, uh, I, I did that a couple of times that week and I, I never got any better. And finally I went to my family doctor and he immediately listened to my heart with a stethoscope and he said, we're going to get a chest x-ray. And if we're lucky, it's pneumonia. And I remember being extremely caught off guard by that because I had never been in the hospital other than for childbirth. And Mm. I just didn't have any intersection with the medical system at all. So when he said that, I'm I'm starting to go through in my mind, you know, cancer was always a concern. But Mm. when he showed me the x-ray from my heart, it was an extremely enlarged heart. And it was actually just functioning at 6% that day when I was in my doctor's office. But I didn't know because I had no family history and I had no risk factors for lifestyle indicators that I might have a heart problem. And so that was something that really shocked me. But even then, when I got that diagnosis and it was, you know, the prognosis wasn't good, I still felt like it was going to resolve itself and that I was going to get back to my normal life because I had just always been such a healthy person. And uh, what I didn't know was that 
the doctors were thinking I wouldn't leave the hospital. I spent 14 days in intensive care that first trip and the doctors weren't thinking I would leave the hospital. And then I did. And when I left, I wore an external defibrillator vest. It's called a life vest. And it just can deliver a shock to your heart like a any kind of external defibrillator can do. And I wore that around 24 hours a day. And I, I wore that for about nine months because they kept thinking, you know, I'm not going to leave the hospital. And then they said, okay, with the numbers that you have, you probably have about six months. And then when I went past six months, they said, you know, plan on no more than five years. And that whole time I'm thinking this is going to, you know, this is going to be a temporary condition, but I was flown to Cleveland Clinic, which is our top heart hospital. And I became my doctor's most critical patient there for a year and a half. And all that time, I just wasn't getting any better. They were doing everything that they do for what my diagnosis was, which is heart failure and sort of a transplant. They were doing everything they could, and I just wasn't getting any better. And so I started to question that idea that, oh, this is just going to go away because it wasn't going away. And I had people praying for me around the clock. I had 24-hour prayer chains that I still have those where those precious people were waking up at night, you know, to pray for me and care packages and cards and flowers and all the things I had that was, and I had wonderful medical care, but nothing was happening. And it started to get to be a long time, you know, after about a year and a half. But if anything happened, then I came down with appendicitis about a year and a half after my heart failure diagnosis. And no one wanted to take my appendix out because my heart was so weak. And doctors did an echocardiogram, which is the test they do to determine how how strong your heart is. And mm-hmm. they found that my heart was functioning at near normal. Wow. And I was shocked, maybe it's more shocked then than I was when I first heard the diagnosis because there it was at normal. And that was a, that was a great day. I remember feeling like I I had my life back, that I had a second lease on life. And mm-hmm. I thought, I get the story. I understand what my story is. It's this, you know, answered prayer and God's provision and divine healing and this is a great story and I'm going to tell this story. And then about three years ago, my heart function dropped and I was in active heart failure again. And that's kind of where I've been the last couple of, uh, I probably the last six months to a year, I've had, I've taken two more dips down uh, as far as mm-hmm. my heart function. And so you know, I'm learning to adapt to that. It's it's really a chronic progressive disease. It it once you damage your heart muscle, there's really not anything they can do other than support it. They can't the heart doesn't regenerate new tissue. So I'm learning how to deal with that and manage the fact that it really only goes in one direction. Even though you can have some spikes up like I was having at that one point. Um, it's really mm-hmm. going in one direction. And so 
the medical part of the story was interesting enough, but what really I think is the story that maybe people can relate to that don't have anything wrong with them health wise is that as I was going through this, my faith was on a journey right along with my health. And so that's really the big story about what was happening all those months. Sure. Sure. That's, I mean, that is like a really shocking diagnosis to be confronted with. And you weren't that old really when it happened, you know, you don't think of people kind of, you know, at that kind of age kind of having hearts that were like, you know, that weak do you generally. And yeah, to cut for it to kind of come out of nowhere and you were living a normal, healthy life before that is, yeah, I can imagine how shocking that is. And then, mm. yeah, I, I love what you say about kind of like you sort of thought you were on a certain sort of healing path with God. And that was kind of part of the story, but it wasn't the whole thing. And yeah, so often it's true for all of us, isn't it? That we can kind of think we know where God's taking us, but actually we don't really, none of us know for sure. And we can kind of write or expect the story to go the way we want it to go. But actually that often has nothing to do with the way God's actually taking us. And yeah, and I, I love that. And so tell us a little bit more about kind of, yeah, what happened next and how it how it impacted your faith and your life and kind of how you process some of that. Mm-hmm. I started to as I as I was going through this and I kind of got to the end of it and then I was back in heart failure. I was, uh, you know, I was keeping a journal just mostly for the medical side, and then that turned into a blog and. I started just when nothing medically was happening all those months, I didn't have anything to blog about. So I started to really be a little bit transparent about the faith questions that I had. And I Mm -hmm. started to realize that people were resonating with the fact that their lives weren't going exactly like they had hoped or planned. And they were on a detour, but it was a different detour, but it was still a detour and and they were having some of the same questions that I was having. And at first, I don't know if it's, you know, my training or my personality or just where we are in society, but at first when I had these questions, it felt like a weakness. It felt like the value is in knowing the answers and I'm at this, you know, deep point in my faith where I've known about God my whole life. And I've got some really basic questions. And I was a little bit embarrassed and I was a little bit, you know, I felt like it meant that I, I really wasn't ever a true believer that I I never got Mm -hmm. it. And so, but what I learned in starting to explore these questions is that Questions are more like, uh, you know, Frederick Beekner says it's the ants in the pants of faith is is what questions and doubt is. But, you know, it's kind of like for me, it's kind of like having this grain of sand in your shoe and you really can't you can go on with that. You can keep walking with that grain of sand in your shoe, but there's a little bit of you that's always thinking about that grain of sand and you're thinking, hmm, I wish that wasn't there. I wish I could do something about it. And and once you get it resolved, you can continue on. 
And it doesn't mean you won't get another grain of sand in your shoe on down the, on down the path, but it's something that we need to address. And so what I had to really reframe, I guess, in my life is that these questions that I had were, you know, something that instead of being a point of weakness, they were actually a point of strength because I was saying, I'm going to, I'm going to ask God about these. I'm going to get up every day and we're going to talk about them because the only alternative I had was to take this fragile faith that I had built and try to protect it and not question it and Mm -hmm. put it away. And then when my life was back on the main road and everything was going great, I'll get my faith back down and we'll use it again. But what I shouldn't have been doing that. And once I decided, you know, God and I had too much history, I just couldn't leave him on the shelf. And when I said, I'm going to get you down and I'm going to wrestle with it, I'm going to question and I'm going to dig in. I was back in the game with God. I was talking to him again because when I put him on the shelf, that was really a silent period in my life in in, in my faith life with God, because I was like, I don't know what you're doing and it doesn't make sense. And I'm just going to kind of turn away from it for a while. And that was a hard time because I was really shutting him out, you know, and I think anybody that's uh, had teenagers or been a teenager knows that when you shut the parent out, when you slam that bedroom door and walk away, that's the worst. (laughs) Just open that door and say what you have to say, but don't just shut it and walk away. And that's what I was doing. I was being this angsty child that was shutting the door. So I got it down and wrestled with it. And I started having this conversation with God. And I started, he was top of mind when I would wake up in the morning because I'd be like, oh, yeah, we've, we still need to resolve this. And I don't know the, the, really cool thing that I learned and it was much later is that I didn't so much want the answers or even need the answers. I just needed permission to ask the questions and Mm. permission to say, I don't get it. And it doesn't make sense. And can you still love me? And can I still love you when this doesn't make any sense? And so that's what I've been dealing with as I've gone through this and through the ups and downs of my health. But, um, you know, really, if I were to put it in a nutshell, I'd say I learned that the opposite of faith isn't doubt. It's not questioning. The opposite of faith Mm -hmm. is indifference, just walking away and saying, I don't get it and I'm not going to wrestle with it. And so that was a realization for me because at first it felt like I was not being a good believer, a good Christian when I started asking. Sure. And it, it's interesting because, I mean, like sometimes asking questions can seem like the worst thing, can't it? Like it can seem like, oh, I'm doubting of questions. My faith must be immature, but actually, and there can be this kind of worry about opening up that kind of worms almost like, mm. what if I start asking these questions and they're too difficult and I don't find the answers or, you know, it's, it undermines everything. But I think our faith is so much more stretchy and bendy and pliable than we think it is and mm-hmm. it's not easily breakable and um, actually that that kind of wrestling with 
truth is what God wants us to do um, and wrestling with his word. And yeah, and I love the fact that you said that it was actually that process that drew you closer to him. So it actually led to intimacy, not kind of that kind of often fear we can feel about it pushing us away from God. It actually drew you closer to him. So interesting. Yeah, I I love what you said about it being pliable and and bendy, because I think when I was, you know, I I shied away from questions, even with my kids, when when they would have a faith question, I'd be like, "Ooh, I'm not sure I have the right answer for that. So I didn't entertain their questions like I should have. And I think we can get into that position where it feels like we have to cover for God. Like, what if this doesn't turn out like I we want it to. And then what will they think of God? And what will I think of God? And so I was in this process, even with my own health about like, ooh, when my prayer warriors were just praying so hard and nothing was happening, I thought, you know, I I don't know how this is going to end. And I don't know what that's going to do to their faith and what that'll do to my faith. And so, Mm. yeah, we don't have to cover for God, but it sometimes it feels like we do. Yeah, so true. And I think we can feel like like we have to get all the we have to get the answers to prayer. We can be very results orientated, can't we, about mm. our faith and like mm. oh, and if I pray I need to get the answers to that prayer and and that answer has to be in the way that I expect it to be and I ask for it and actually sometimes the healing and the answers are less important than the journey with God. I think this is a recurring theme on what's the story recently. Lots of people have touched on this, but, you know, sometimes that's more important than getting the answers anyway, right? Just that relationship with God and that intimacy. So, so true. And I, I always think about what my husband said something to me early on. He said, you know, if we don't get the answer for your health situation, the way we want, all we're doing is trading what we can't keep for something we can never lose. And it made so much sense because I wanted that healing, but, you know, any healing, any physical healing is only going to be temporary. And I think God has his sights on something so much more permanent than that. And he's, he's always been about seeking a relationship with us and he'll go to any links, you know, any cost to him, any cost to us to have that relationship. And I think that is what um, one of the, you know, one of the real bonuses of having this long-term health condition has shown me is that what I really needed and wanted was that relationship and not so much that healing that I started out thinking that was what I really needed. Mm, Yeah. And uh, I'm interested to hear as well, how have you seen God use this challenge in your life since then? Because you talk about that kind of faith journey that God's taken you through, but also I know God's used this to sort of touch other people as well through your writing, different things you've been involved in. So can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit more about that? Yes. So I I mentioned that I have a background in accounting and, and tax. And so I had taught college classes for more than 20 years and done some other speaking in that area. And I found after I got heart failure that I can't, I couldn't stand up and lecture for hours at a time. Mm -hmm. And so I, 
I wasn't sure what was next for me. And I had some other ideas of what I had hoped to do next, but they didn't pan out because part of it was because of my stamina. And so those things, those closed doors that I ran into ended up being this other door opening where I was, I found that I couldn't, I couldn't stand up, but I could sit down and type all day (laughs) and I could uh, be on zoom, you know, and not have to travel. And all of these things were just coming together at the same time. And that is when I realized that, especially for me, I can get distracted by too many options. You know, if there's too many mm-hmm. open doors, there's too many, uh, you know, crayons in the box or too many opportunities out there. Sometimes you just don't do anything because you're paralyzed yeah. by all the possibilities. And when, when circumstances shut several doors for me, I was able to focus and I started writing this book. The it, it started with the the blog that I talked about and the journaling that I talked about, and it ended up being a book that I had always hoped to write a book, but I never took the time to do it in a safer, healthier mm-hmm. life. And that was a a door that opened up that really. I wasn't expecting it to open up at that time, but it came at just the right time for me. And I, I'm just so thankful. I can look back and be so thankful for doors that have closed, but sometimes it takes a lot of time perspective to get to that (laughs) being thankful for closed doors. Yeah, for sure. And I know you wouldn't have chosen that path of like ill health, um, but it's, it's so cool to hear how you can see God's used it and how he's used it to reset the course of your life moving forwards from from there so yeah it's really inspiring to hear about and like tell us a little bit as well where are you where are you up to with it all today because you're not like cured are you there you know you alluded to this before there isn't a, a cure for heart failure but mm-hmm. but how does life look now what are you up to and where are things at now Yes, I have one of the things and I, you know, I think I mentioned in the book that um, the detour is the expected route now. And there's a little bit of relief in that because I had been one who was always, you know, planning what was going to be next and where I was going. I had my GPS Mm -hmm. set and I was going to get there the easiest, quickest, uh, most efficient way. And so that detour and knowing that it, it might not be what I want. It might not be what I expect, but God's using that. And I think he, he uses detours to deepen our faith. Um, mm. And so even though when we're on a detour, we feel like we're lost and we feel like he's abandoned us on this road, but it's really just the opposite. And so I have, uh, really leaned into to writing. I have um, tried to help others who have been on a detour. And, it, you know, I think I mentioned earlier that most of the people who have, you know, reached out to me from my book or other things that I've written have said, I don't have anything to do with heart failure or health, but I have experienced bankruptcy or loss of a child or yeah. you know, loss of a dream. 
uh, a marriage and they feel like they're asking some basic faith questions. And so I'm really trying to lean into being vulnerable and letting people know that asking questions and digging into your faith is exactly what you should be doing. I, you know, instead of saying, mm -hmm. how did I get this old? And I'm still asking these questions. I think once you get that pool of life experiences, that's exactly the time to be asking your questions. And, mm -hmm. and I think, you know, scripture shows us that that's okay. Mm. Yeah, that, that's really good. And it, it's, it's actually that you can see them as, as strengths, not failures. And, mm -hmm. you know, divine detours, as exactly that, divine, not accidental. And that even in the midst of it, even if it's things God didn't intend for our lives, like I'm, I'm not saying God wills kind of ill health on any of us or that his plan is anything bad for us. But like, I'm so thankful Certainly, at this I found this in my own life that he uses those things. Mm. Um, they're not wasted. He uses them for divine good, and he draws good things out of them. And um, yeah, and sometimes those hard roads can actually be good, can't they? Because they can, even though they're tough, they can lead you into good places. And uh, and so yeah, I, I really love what you're sharing there. Um, this is a really tough question. This is always the one that guests say, "Oh no, that's hard," but um. What's if you could dis distill this whole journey that you've been on, and I know it's not finished yet, but up to this point in life and on your faith journey, what's one thing you've learned up to now? If you could just distill it down to like maybe one phrase or idea or one kind of motto or something, what mm -hmm. would that be? Well, a couple of them come to mind, but probably yeah. um, the main one. You're allowed is more than one. Okay, <laughs> is there's a couple that I'll mention. One of them is um, is in Hebrews eleven thirteen, and in that passage, it lists a lot of faith heroes like Abraham and Noah and Sarah, and it said they were living by faith when they died, but they did not see the things promised, and. Yeah. We like to think that our story should make complete sense in our lifetime, that we should see if God allows something to happen, then before we die, we should know why God allowed that to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think this scripture says that sometimes our story overlaps past our lifetime because we're start, we're part of this bigger story that God is writing and we have this little mm -hmm. part of it. But sometimes we don't see the finished end of our story arc while we're alive. And we just have to know that God's going to finish the story for good. And even if in our lifetime and we don't see the things promised as some of those faith heroes didn't, that we have to trust that he will finish it. And so that was a comfort to me because I would you know, I want to be able, we all want to be able to look back and say, I know exactly why I had to go through that or why I was on that detour. And, and maybe we're not going to know. So mm. that was, that's one of them. And then the other one is in John 13, seven, and it's where he, Jesus is washed, getting ready to wash the feet of the disciples. And Jesus says, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. 
And it sort of goes along with the scripture in Hebrews, but it's saying, it's going to look confusing to you. You're not going to understand it right now. And I was of the ilk that I wanted to know why things were happening. And I wanted it to make sense. And I wanted to be able to reason through it. And sometimes we, we just can't. And so our job as Christians is to trust that he's going to finish the story the best possible way. But also while we're living in those confusing times that he's okay with us asking the questions because he knows we're human and he knows that we have some questions and we have concerns and he just wants to hear from us. So, you know, those two scriptures together tell me that we're going to be on these detours because God has something for each one of us that's so much more than this predictable life that we planned for ourselves. And mm-hmm. on that life that we're going to be living, it's going to be hard. We're not going to see the whys all the time. And while we're on there, it's okay to ask God and to talk to him about that confusion. Yeah, and it's interesting because they almost sound like contradictions when you talk about them, but they're not, are they? Because it's okay to ask questions and God, you know, the Bible makes it very clear that God's comfortable with those questions, that there's Mm -hmm. lots of people who question their faith throughout the Bible, isn't there? You see that all the way through scriptures. And maybe that's just the way some of us are wired to to ask those questions and that he's okay with that. And testing our faith can help build it, right? But at the same time, there's this kind of, I sort of feel like you overlay that with the truth that we may not get the answers this side of heaven and that Mm -hmm. has to be okay too. And actually Mm -hmm. that there's some overarching truths and stories that will only make sense later. And so it's like Mm -hmm. a both and, isn't it? It's like holding both those truths in tension. Like it's okay Mm -hmm. to ask, but also you need to be okay with not understanding it all as well. And just say yes. God is bigger than some of us. And that, yes. that's kind of a tough thing, isn't it? When you've got yeah. those questions to get to that point of peace. I mean, mm. I'm interested. Did it take you long to kind of shift from one point of view to another or to hold the two intention? <laughs> yeah, it did. Because I think, um, you know, you mentioned that some, some people may just be wired differently. My mother, uh, I was, you know, in the home where I was raised, there was never a question in her mind that God was real and active and making a difference in her life. And then I married a man who, you know, has really the same spiritual DNA. He, he knows that he knows that he knows. And I just, I'm a little bit different. I, I question, you know, and you mentioned several people in scripture, like, you know, we have, we see Thomas and Peter and Sarah and so many people asking questions and saying, wait a minute, you know, this, give me a minute. And God didn't love any of those people any less than the people who believed so easily. And so I took great comfort when I finally figured out that it wasn't that I was uh, a weaker believer, or it wasn't that I was more of a baby Christian. It was that I came to faith a little bit differently than maybe mm-hmm. some other people. And so that was a really relief to me to be able to see that and to to grasp that, because you're right. 
you know, you have this questioning because you're wired that way, but then you have this reality in the other hand that says, I'm, you may not know. And so there's this need to know. And then this faith component that somehow Mm -hmm. you have to wrestle with God enough to be able to hold both of those together. Mm. And I, I mean, I really relate to what you're saying there because I think, although my journey has been different to yours, I've had some divine detours as well, which I've talked about on this podcast previously. Um, But I, I resonate with that a lot around that kind of coming to a place of peace with a not knowing and not having all the answers this side of heaven, mm-hmm. not having all those like, but why did you do that, God? Why didn't you answer in this way? And um, yeah, in some ways I think that comes through because you talked about how these questions and that sort of searching and wrestling with God actually brings you into greater intimacy. And it is that it strikes me just as we're talking about it is actually that intimacy that allows you to find, know God more. And in, it's only in knowing God more that you find that peace with, but He's. I know he's good and I know he's for me and I know he loves me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm okay with the questions. So it's mm-hmm. like this full circle thing, isn't it, almost? And yeah. it's just kind of occurred to me now as we're talking that actually that comes out of a place, that peace comes out of a place of intimacy, mm-hmm. which you only find by pressing into God in a deeper way yeah. in your questioning. Yeah, that's yeah. really good. I, I I love that because, you know, I think in our human relationships, we can see that the people that we're very closest to, we can ask questions, but at the base, we trust that they have our best interests at heart. And so mm-hmm. by getting to that deeper place with God, we can release that need to control the outcome. And yeah. it's not something that happens overnight. And It's something that you just have to work on, you know, throughout your life. But you're right. Getting to that place where you can just say, I'm okay with not knowing exactly where this road is heading. I'm okay with not knowing all the answers to this, why this is happening. And that only comes by keeping that communication open. Mm. Yeah, so good. Well, I, do you know, I could talk about this with you all day long because I think we, uh, yeah, we have a lot of similar views on this and um, it's it's just fascinating to hear your story today. Um, but we are kind of rapidly running out of time. So, um, but before we go, I do want you just to sort of share with us, you know, tell us where people can find you, where they can find out more if they're interested in our conversation today, if they want to learn more about your book, like tell us all the things, where can they find you, social, website, where, where do we go? Yeah, so my book is called, you mentioned it earlier, Divine Detour, The Path You'd Never Choose Can Lead to the Faith You've Always Wanted. And that's available on Amazon. I also have my website, which is lauriannewood.com. And there's a books page that has a book trailer and other information about the book. And you can even read the first chapter free to see if it's something that is for you. I would also um, hope that people would, if, if you're in a place where you feel like you're having trouble communicating with God and you can't find the words and you're in that silent period that I talked about that I was in initially in the process. I have a something that might help. It was something I put together in those early times and it's called five prayers and promises when you can't talk to God. 
And people can download that free from my website. It's at lauriannewood.com slash hope. And I would be thrilled to share that with anybody that could find that to be useful where they are right now. And I also would love to connect with anybody on Instagram or Facebook. You can find me at Lorianne Wood on either one of those two platforms or even now threads at Lorianne Wood. So (laughs) all the things. Yeah. <laughs> um, that sounds wonderful and so many great resources there. So I definitely want to sort of echo that and say, guys, if if you're interested in this conversation, if any of that sounds useful, please do look at Lorianne. And um, I know those will be awesome. Um, Lorianne, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it's been so great to have you here and have this conversation. Yes, Anna, thank you. It's great to see you and talk to you. We have a lot in common. We should do this again. <laughs> yeah, we definitely should on or offline. Like, let's just do it. We don't have to yeah. do a podcast every time. But <laughs> yeah, it's been really fun chatting. And, um, and just to say as well to the listeners before we go, that if you didn't catch all of those contacts, we'll also put them in the show notes afterwards. So um, you can find all those links in our show notes for today on our website, which is www.crowd.church. So all the links for Lorianne and how to connect with her will be there as well. So thank you again for being here. And thanks also to all of our listeners for being here today. Take care and we will catch you again very soon. Have a great week, everyone. And just like that, we have reached the end of another fascinating conversation. Now, remember to check out Crowd Church at www.crowd.church, even if you might not see the point of church. You see, we are a digital church on a quest to discover how Jesus can help us live a more meaningful life. We are a community, a space to explore the Christian faith and a place where you can contribute and grow. And you are welcome at Crowd Church. Don't forget to subscribe to the What's the Story podcast on your favorite podcast app because we've got a treasure trove of inspiring stories coming your way and we would basically hate for you to miss any of them. And just in case no one has told you yet today, remember, you are awesome. Yes, you are. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. What's the Story is a production of Crowd Church. Our fantastic team, including Anna Kettle, Sadaf Bainon, and me, Edmondson, uh, and Tanya Hutzelak, work behind the scenes tirelessly to bring you all these fabulous stories. Our theme song is a creative work of Josh Edmondson. And if you're interested in the transcript or show notes, head over to our website, whatsthestorypodcast.com. And whilst you're there, sign up for our free weekly newsletter to get all of this goodness delivered straight to your inbox. So that's it from all of us this week here at What's the Story. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. We'll catch you next time. Bye for now.